0: This episode of The Emma Gunn Show is brought to you in collaboration with SkinCeuticals. Hello, hi, and welcome to a very special episode of The Emma Gunn Show. This episode is a beauty special, and it's a beauty special for two reasons – Firstly, we're going to be taking a deep dive into antioxidants and why they are such a crucial part of any skincare regime. And in particular, we're going to be taking a look at the new launch from the experts in topical antioxidants, SkinCeuticals. And secondly, I'm joined by consultant dermatologist, Dr. Emma Craythorne, who is an incredible resource of information on all things skin, skincare and skin issues, as well as being completely up to date on the latest research and clinical trials on all things skincare. In this episode, Emma and I discuss the many benefits of antioxidants and why you really need one in your skincare regime, what free radical damage is, how it affects the skin and why antioxidants are so good at treating it, why vitamin C is a gold standard antioxidant, why many antioxidant serums favour a drier or more mature skin type, and how Skinceuticals has made an antioxidant serum ideal for oily and blemish-prone skin with their new Silamarin CF formula. How Cilimarin CF compares with other Skinceuticals antioxidant serums, and which one is right for you depending on your skin type. How to know if you have oily skin. How and why we get blackheads, and the topical ingredients that'll help. How to incorporate an antioxidant into your skincare regime and why simplicity and function is the best approach to achieving great skin. The links to everything Emma and I discuss will be in the show notes, which can be found wherever it is that you're streaming and downloading this episode. But get your notebooks ready, because trust me, you might want to jot down what Emma says, as she is so, so knowledgeable. So here she is, making her debut on the podcast. It's Dr. Emma Craythorne on this beauty special of The Emma Gunn Show. Dr. Emma Craythorne, welcome to the podcast. How are you?
1: I'm great. Thanks for inviting me along to chat to you
0: today. I'm genuinely very, very excited because it's a lovely opportunity to properly geek out about a particular type of skincare and also learn about some new skincare. And I mean, I'm not even going to try and rattle off your credentials because they are so many and varied <laughs> listeners all I'll say is that she's a really big deal but would you mind just for the benefit of the listeners explaining uh, explaining who you are what you do and why you are so well qualified to come onto the Emma Gunn show and talk about skincare particularly in this instance antioxidant skincare
1: OK, sure. Thank you. Well, I suppose I've been studying and researching and just generally getting really excited about skincare for the last 16 years. And that kind of enthusiasm has got me along the path of training to become a consultant dermatologist. And I work now as a consultant dermatologist at the Institute of Dermatology at Guy's and St. Thomas's Hospital. Um, and I also work as a um, within my private practice on Harley Street. Um, I'm passionate about cosmetic dermatology and the role that dermatologists should really play in this. Um, And that's why I currently sit now as the president of the Cosmetic Dermatology Group as part of the British Association of Dermatologists. Um also, I think my genuine love for skin has uh, made me want to teach a lot of people about it. So I now run a TV series called The Bad Skin Clinic, which goes out on the TLC channels and Discovery. We've, it's currently season two is being shown and season three and season four have just been commissioned. So, yeah, I'm a complete
0: geek about the skin
1: <laughs> for far too long. <laughs>
0: No, I love it. And your TV show, I think you were saying earlier, is broadcast in 150 countries across the planet, which is just incredible. It's really weird. I can't actually believe that happened. Whenever I was
1: asked to do it in the first place, I thought, oh, this might be one pilot episode. I didn't realise that that would happen. Um, And I'm dubbed in Spanish and Italian and Portuguese. And I think my accent
0: sounds so much nicer in Spanish, I have to say. <laughs> I, honestly, I need to see a compilation of that now. That sounds like quite, quite the scene. So actually, what we're going to be talking about today is antioxidant skincare. And we're going to be talking about a particular product as well, which is the suitable Sillamarin CF cream, uh, CF serum, I should say, it's not cream. Long-time listeners will be very familiar with the fact that I'm a huge fan of SkinCeuticals and have long used CE Ferulic. And when I first saw this product, I had turned it around, looked at the inky list, and I thought, okay, so this is this is basically CE Ferulic, but C Ferulic for acne or oily or blemish-prone skin. And me not having that kind of skin type, I actually didn't realize that antioxidants don't always really favor that particular type of skin do they
1: um so so that's right so i think whenever um we've got people who have an acne prone skin type there are certain products that might make it feel a little bit more uncomfortable so one of the things that's in that ce ferulic is the is vitamin e and vitamin e is an uh, is an oil based vitamin and sometimes times whenever that is on an oilier skin type people might feel that they don't really like the texture of it um and because of that reason there's a need really to have a, a group of antioxidants again working together because you know the we need to have antioxidants on our skin, particularly in the morning, particularly for the stressful life and the cities and things like that that we live in to protect our skin from ongoing free radical damage. And there is a need really to try and define these different types of antibi- sorry antioxidant combinations for the different skin types. I think it's also really um, difficult to understand exactly what your skin type is. And, you know, we've got that old fashioned idea, you know, back in the day of Helena Rubinstein saying, yeah, we've got oily skin or we've got dry skin. When actually it's so much more detailed than that. And yes, we have some people who have an oilier skin type or a drier skin type. But we have people who have a sensitive skin type or a resistant skin type or a pigmented skin type. And actually, it's the combination of these different um, components that really make us up now to having probably about one of about 16 different skin types. And then once you're able to understand these things a little bit better and skin issues that you might otherwise have on top of that, that then helps you to form your decision about what antioxidant you really need to be putting on your skin. And that's why, you know, the way SkinCeuticals have done it, they've divided it up into kind of, they have three now and they're really being geared towards these different, um, these different skin types to help people understand a little bit more. Okay. I can try that one. I'm more likely to get on well with that one. That said, They're all excellent antioxidant (laughs) serums and most skin types will get on well, you know, with most of them. But uh, the the newer one is certainly more geared towards the um, the, the acne prone or the oilier
0: skin type. So let's take a step back, because I think sometimes uh, I'm sure many listeners will think, well, I know I need to use a vitamin C. I know I need antioxidants. I know that I am vulnerable to free radical damage but what are all of those things? And why do I need to protect myself? Why do I need to use them? So can we possibly go back and just talk about what are, what are antioxidants and specifically vitamin C and why are they so vital in a skincare regime? yeah sure
1: so um funnily enough i was doing this experiment with my three children at the weekend so this is quite fresh in my mind and as i was doing the experiment i was thinking about um skin and it's the experiment that you might have done as a child at school where you have a beautiful green crispy apple so if you imagine that wonderful fresh green apple with no bruises on it and you cut into the flesh of the apple and it's lovely white crisp flesh inside well, what starts to happen after that very quickly is an oxidation process. And the oxidation starts to change the some of the components within the cells of the apple and turns it brown. And so this oxidative process is a similar kind of thing that happens um, within with damage to our kind of skin cells. Our skin's slightly more exposed to it because it's on the outside and it sees this damage all of the time. So, When we think about what happens then in our skin in relation to that, um, free radicals exist within our body um, as a consequence of the fact that we, respiration, so we're breathing and it's a byproduct of the cells, these free radicals. And it also happens with aging. It also happens with externally from things like smoking from pollution from increased stress levels from uv radiation and particularly high energy visible light so these are things that are all bombarding our skin And a free radical is essentially a a molecule or a substance that doesn't have a paired electron and it's desperately seeking uh, a paired electron. So whenever it's in our in our body, it takes an electron from something else to become a bit more stable. But that then in turn means the other thing has lost an electron and it then takes an electron from something else and so on. And that's the chain reaction that happens. Now, you might think, oh, well, what's the big deal in that? Well, it's constant breaking of bonds within these molecules and substances within the skin, and you get breakdown products. And unfortunately, those breakdown products then lead to signs of damage within the skin. And So that's the chain reaction that happens. Why do we use antioxidants then? Well, And antioxidants, so for example, something like vitamin C, it happens it's a bit happier to give away an electron. So it sits in our skin and kind of sits as a a shield with these electrons that it can give away and actually still remain fairly stable. So it gives away its electron and then it stops this onward chain reaction afterwards. So that's why, um, you know, we talk about using antioxidants in the skin is to kind of, try and help that process so that we don't get the onward breakdown and vitamin C we talk about a lot because it's probably one of the most studied ones and one that's easy fairly easy to get into our skin so that's what the antioxidants are.
0: I adore the idea I, the idea of the chain reaction I can almost like see it happening and so I should be <laughs> double dosing my antioxidants. <laughs> now the only thing I would ask about vitamin C is in my in my career it's something I've come across a lot obviously and it's something I've seen on packaging like a vitamin c cream or vitamin c serum but then actually you look and you think it's really far down the inky list or there doesn't seem to be a huge amount and then subsequently I've learned it's really quite tricky to formulate with because it's quite unstable l-ascorbic acid vitamin c uh, pure vitamin c I guess is that the best way of describing it yeah it's quite hard to formulate with but And one of the reasons why I use CE Ferulic and why if I talk to my learned beauty friends, they will always talk about CE Ferulic because it seems that they've cracked that idea of getting the potent vitamin C into a topical serum without um, diminishing the efficacy of the actual serum itself. You get a really potent antioxidant.
1: That's exactly right, and I think the formula that—that's what sets SkinCeuticals apart. You know, this formulation that was developed is testament to the kind of founder of that small company when it first started out, and actually, it's the same formulation that's still carried out today. And um, and it is tricky to get right. And um, you know vitamin C has to be delivered in this, you know, with a low pH, it has to be in an acidic environment, because otherwise, it won't penetrate down past the stratum corneum and integrate itself in that extracellular and intracellular fluid, it just won't. So it has to be in that level of a pH. And the reason, the other reason is, is that um, that allows for the maximum amount of the vitamin C to be in its free form. So First of all, it has to get in uh, and second of all, it has to be in a form that your body is going to use um, and it has to be in, it has to be converted in the body. So there's no point delivering it in a converted form and putting that on the skin because your body needs to convert and <laughs> your skin needs to convert it in order for it to be active so that is the that is the key and it does frustrate me slightly actually no, it frustrates me a lot I'm just gonna
0: be quite clear you're in a safe because, place Emma <laughs> yeah
1: good because people think oh yes vitamin c that's what I have to put on my skin and a lot of um, brands or other you know, people trying to make money, I suppose, um, will write the words vitamin C on their product and people will buy it um, thinking, you know, I'm doing a good thing here. I'm putting vitamin C on my skin. I've heard that it's really good for my skin but actually it's a total waste of money. It's a waste of plastic that that fake vitamin C has been put into and you're wasting your time putting it on the skin because it's not going to do the job that you're really expecting it to do. Because first of all, if it's not stored properly, the vitamin C has already undergone degradation. So there's no point putting it on your skin. If it's not in the right pH, it's going to be, you know, it's not going to be delivered to the skin properly. And if you've if you know if it's not in something that's going to keep it away from light it's going to be broken down all of these things are so 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 important and i think if you want to get the best antioxidant properties possible which is the whole point of using these things you really do have to trust the you know the formulation of what you're you're getting, and that's why one of Skin Skinceuticals and a number of other companies as well um, do do. But it, th- that's really important, and it does frustrate me a lot.
0: <laughs> I feel as though um, I, I feel your frustration. I also feel as though vitamin C almost kind of got co opted or rebranded or re understood, and maybe as part of marketing as being a glow, uh, something that would give you a glow. When actually yeah. the way that you've just described the chain reaction of the free radical breakdown in the skin, like that's why you want to use an antioxidant like vitamin C. But one of the benefits of it as well is that it, it uh, makes skin glow. Well, why is that? Why does it create that? Because it does give that brightness to skin.
1: Yeah, it does. So um, it does it. It does a number of different things. So whenever we are using vitamin C and the skin, It's difficult for me to kind of say what the the glow exactly is, because some people like the glow of something like C.E. Ferulic because of the the way the vitamin C breaks down on the skin. They kind of get like a a little bit of a fake tan kind of glow, a slight brownie red color to the skin. And the reason for that is actually part of the breakdown process of the vitamin C. So if you put it on in its active form, it does start to break down and it breaks down into this dehydroascorbic acid. And then that breaks down into another product called erythrolose. And erythrolose, if you actually look on the back of things like... Um, you know, saint fake tan or these things, it's incorporated within that to give you a, a, a fake tan. So, you know, I think a lot of people like vitamin C, because they do get this kind of glow, which is actually part of the breakdown of it. It's this kind of fake tan look. Yeah, I don't know. I, I I love that. I mean, I I love that. It just gives my skin just a, you know, a glow. But the other reason why, so some people like it for that reason. Um, that's and then- just
0: a, Sorry to interrupt you, but that's not because it's putting any pigment on the skin or any kind of cosmetic. It's just a reaction on and within the skin that gives the appearance of this kind of slightly more, I don't want to say orangey, but it probably is an orangey. Yeah
1: yeah it's slightly redder than the dihydroxyacetone that you would get in fake tan so it's a slightly redder color the erythralose and many of the fake tan companies will combine the erythralose with the dihydro um, dihydroxyacetone dihydroxyacetone dihydro- can't remember and um, and they so they will combine the two of them together to get this mixture just right um Interesting. but so yeah so that's one of the things i actually like about vitamin c but the other thing that it does do in terms of a Kind of otherwise glow to the skin. It's got uh, a way in which it changes the pigment transfer. So you get a more even um, kind of, if you're somebody who has bits of pigmentation within the skin, it gives a more even um, look to that. Um, so that's the other thing that people sometimes say why they like the glow that's associated with it.
0: Definitely. I, it's the first thing when it comes to pigmentation that I. I reach for a vitamin C. Now, because I don't have, uh, because my skin type is more on the normal to maybe even slightly drier side, we're getting into maybe mature, depending on what scale you're using. So I had never realized that actually, uh, many of the, the vitamin C formulas favored my kind of skin type and that maybe people who had oily skin or blemish prone skin might not have enjoyed the experience of using vitamin C antioxidant serums. And so that was part of the reason uh, fulfilling that need, meeting that need to the creation of silymarin CF. So this is something that still has that powerful. It still has the same 15% percentage of C ferulic has of the vitamin C, but it's also got some other bits and bobs in there to really cater to. So delivering that antioxidant protection, but also, look after that kind of skin type as well. So would you mind explaining a little bit about that formula?
1: Yeah, so what's in the Silomarin CF? Yeah, mm-hmm. sure. And um, So this this for me is an exciting product because uh, you, you hit the nail on the head there. For many of my patients who would come with acne, uh, um, whether I was seeing them privately or, or, or in the NHS practice, I always want to be able to offer them an antioxidant because my kind of goal for everybody is to have an overall skincare routine. And it's not just about coming to see me and I say, okay, you need to use this retinoid at night. You need to have this oral antibiotic. It's much more about a, a very holistic approach to dealing with any skin um, concerns. So, in fact, in the TV show, I say at the beginning, you know, I really want to help people understand the type of skin they have and how to live best within it. And I feel that for almost every patient, I want them to understand what type of skin they have and what they can do. And that is goes from what you wash your skin with and um, what you moisturize your skin with, what sun protection that you use every single day. Um, and then which night treatment that you may or may not need. And it's about the whole picture. Um, and then obviously for patients who have acne, whether medically I have to add something else in, but I always want to add in an antioxidant for two reasons. One of the reasons is because of this lipid peroxidation theory in acne where we know that if your kind of oils are undergoing lots of oxidation that just makes the environment much happier for blackheads to form um, and for uh, bacteria to get in and start, you know, becoming an issue. So for that reason I want to put an antioxidant in, but I also want to use an antioxidant as a protection from other external stresses in the skin. And we know that people who have acne and do have uh, problems with overall oxidation of the skin. So that's why the second reason I want to add it in. And then lastly, and for some people who have acne, as the um, acne mark would leave, you would also get problems with post-inflammatory erythema, so the redness or post-inflammatory hyperpigmentation, so the brown marks left behind. And we know that antioxidants are better at helping to clear that pigment. So things like vitamin C for clearing pigment and ferulic acid for clearing pigment. So that's why I want to, as part of my treatment, make sure that there is an an antioxidant added in. And for some of my patients, unfortunately, um, the use of the 1% um tocopherol or vitamin e that was in the original ce ferulic just wasn't palatable for them and they they did they didn't like it and didn't want to use it so that then moved us on to this uh, this new product that's uh, a combination of a couple, number of different ingredients so first of all it does have the vitamin c um that we've talked about already at you know 15 strength and i'll not bore you with more more of that and what I could do for five hours if you like (laughs) (laughs) Um, so it's got the vitamin c in it as the ce ferulic did it has the ferulic in it um, as the ce ferulic has in it so that's the ferulic acid that's another antioxidant that's derived from uh, cereal so we get loads of these from plants plants have lots of antioxidants in them because you know, they're exposed to UV damage all the time. And it's not like they can just hide themselves away from that UV damage because they don't have legs. So they are constantly bombarded. So they've developed these wonderful antioxidants to try and combat that. So um, ferulic acid is, um, is is one of these. It, it comes from the, this, the cereal. But that combined with the vitamin C helps to keep it nice and stable. But it also does a couple of other things that I think that sometimes gets overlooked. It does reduce pigment transfer from the melanocytes to the keratinocytes, which I think is incredibly helpful for um, people who do have this post inflammatory hyperpigmentation. And, you know, it it sometimes just gets put in there as an, and an extra, but it's pretty powerful how it can do that. Um, and um, and then it's got salicylic acid in it. Okay. Now we all know that salicylic acid is beneficial for acne prone skin or oily skin and it's a it's a pretty wonderful ingredient really Uh, you know it's lipophilic in other words it likes to go to areas that um, have uh, fats in them which in our skin is great because if you've got oily skin it just goes straight down those follicles and gets down to where the oil is and it gets in there really quickly and then it stays there and so the it works by stopping the, the connection between some of the, the, the kind of skin cells that line that follicle and prevent those follicles from being blocked up with the oil. It stops that all of that kind of stickiness together. So um, we use it routinely as part of our medical treatment for uh, for acne. And in this case, it's added in a 0.5% um. Uh, dose. Now, normally I like to use around 2% salicylic acid. Uh, That's my kind of favorite number. But you know, often with people who have acne prone skin, you might actually be washing with a, a a salicylic acid wash as well. So I actually quite like the fact that this is a lower percentage because then you're not kind of bombarding the skin with too much. I love a salicylic acid wash. That's my favorite way of delivering it. Um, and then putting this up with an extra bit, but it's a lower strength. I really like. Uh, so that's the salicylic acid. And then we come on to the name of the product, the silymarin. Now, silymarin um, is derived from the the milk thistle plant and in it's been used for a long time in kind of herbal medicine for things orally, um, for liver issues, and people would take it whenever they felt that they had maybe drank too much alcohol. Um, and there's lots of studies to show the kind of protective effect that it might have on the liver. Now, in in dermatology we've actually also been studying the chemical for you know a long time I think the first time I looked this chemical was probably about 10 about 10 years ago and it's been looked at for a number of different reasons so one of the things that it's been shown to do is it in itself acts as a UVB filter so just by placing it on the skin not only is it protecting against high energy visible light and free radical damage because it's an antioxidant but it also does protect against um, UVB damage to the same as some of the UVB filters that you would get in commercial preparations. So that's one of the things that it does. And that's what piqued my interest in it about 10 years ago. Obviously, it's an antioxidant and it works in the same way as I've just described the other things that they do. Uh, so one of the other things that it does is it works um, at reducing the amount of sebum that is coming out of the skin. And it also reduces the oxidation of that sebum. So that's going right back again to this theory of, uh, of lipid peroxidation in acne so reducing that oxidation is thought then to reduce the number of blackheads whiteheads and then the inflammatory lesions within acne Um, and I think their studies is up to about 75 percent that's the skin surgical studies that they have shown
0: yeah when I looked at the information it said by up to 76 percent and my my next question was will somebody know if they have oil oxidation like is that something that you can if somebody came to you in your clinic and said my skin feels like this and you might say well that my friend is oil oxidation or is it just something that happens sort of biologically and chemically that you might not necessarily feel or see
1: so there's things that you might not even see um that we see whenever we biopsy the skin and we see that these um, follicles are you know inflamed but a good example of what the oxidation of sebum is is a blackhead so whenever you're seeing lots of these blackheads that's essentially what this is so if you're somebody who has lots of blackheads then then you're kind of seeing it you know in front of you one of the things that they don't really talk about that much but what I love about silymarin um is that it's been used in these head-to-head studies, comparing it with hydroquinone for um, melasma. And one of the studies compares compares 0.7% and 1.2%, I think it is, silamarin with 4% hydroquinone. Now, 4% hydroquinone is a prescription-only medication, and it's considered to be the gold standard treatment for, um, for melasma. And in this study, there was no difference in terms of outcome. They all performed exactly the same. Uh, so that's one of the things that I think is most striking about it. And probably needs to be explored a little bit more um, is this wonderful element to it that it can help with pigmentation and that's again another reason why it's probably going to do a great job for people who have acne and post-inflammatory hyperpigmentation so there's a you know, there's a whole host of benefits to using it. There was a study as well that came out of the University of Alabama now about 15 years ago where they showed um, a reduction in uh, these squamous cell carcinomas um, from this topical application of, uh, of silymarin. And again, some of these things have never been extrapolated and looked into further again, but it is a very, it's a, it, it's a very exciting um, molecule,
0: I have to say. I as soon as I saw Milk Thistle, I immediately thought hangovers. And also because I saw because I saw a picture of a milk thistle, I have to admit, I sort of didn't think, oh, I'm excited about that. But the way that you just described it, it sounds that it has some really incredible applications. And if it's performing comparably to a prescription only treatment for melasma, that's that's pretty impressive.
1: Yeah, it's actually, it's mind blowing. And it's just interesting that these were very well run studies that um, completely are nothing to do with L'Oreal or skin SkinCeuticals, absolutely nothing to do. These are freely available on, you know, PubMed searches whenever you're researching products and um, any kind of medical conditions or studies that have been carried out in the past. And, you know, they it's 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 so impressive that what it's potentially able to do but many of these things haven't been you know kind of followed up
0: it's so that's so fascinating so one of the other things I wanted to ask is about and you mentioned it earlier about understanding your skin type so if someone's listening to this podcast and they're thinking I've been incorporating vitamin c into my regime for a while because I want those antioxidant benefits I want that glow but actually uh what how might I know that I suit this new formula? M- my skin's not really oily, but what would, and it's quite a big gamble, isn't it? Because obviously skin is quite um, a considered purchase. So yeah. you want to make the right choice between the antioxidants that you choose. So if someone's listening to this, how might they be able to identify that actually when it comes to their topical antioxidant, their topical vitamin C, they need to consider potentially one that is for blemish-prone or oilier skin type.
1: As I, yeah, that's a that's a good question because it is very very difficult to understand exactly what your skin type is. And as dermatologists now, we do have quantitative measures for determining people's skin types and qualitative measures. And it really, I. I I just wish it was freely available for everybody to complete these questionnaires and work out what type of skin they have so they can start to get the products that's going to be best for them. Because there may well be somebody who has blemish prone skin, but, you know, if you're somebody who has blemish prune skin and you have a sensitivity, you know, if you've got a, almost a rosacea type picture as well, then... Some of the, the vitamin C products that are on the market, I mean, you, your skin would go crazy if you started using them. Um, unlikely to go crazy, to be fair, if you use the C for because that's super calming on the skin. Um, but it's, it is important to understand what skin type you have. And it's not just about whether it's oily and blemishy, but whether you are a pigmented type, whether you're a sensitive type, whether you're a resistant type, it, it's more than just that. So if we're going to think about just the oily or blemish type skin, it really is somebody I say somebody you want to feel what your skin feels like after you've washed your skin in the morning and you've patted it dry. So wash your skin with your regular cleanser that you would use um, and then let it let it dry. And then what everyone's skin feels dry after that. But you want to wait about 20 minutes. And if you're somebody who 20 minutes later is already starting to feel bits of oil appear on your skin, then you're in that oily skin group. And equally, if you're somebody who can see up close lots of blackheads starting to form um, and you're not a smoker, I mean, even if you are a smoker, but smokers are more likely to get blackheads anyway. um, But if you've got blackheads starting to form, then again, you're going to be in that More tend tending towards an oilier skin type, and then if you're somebody who's actively getting um spots and blemishes in areas that are off the mid face, so you know around the sides of the face, the jawline, and the forehead, then you're more likely to be in that acne-prone blemish skin type. People who often get spots right across that mid face with a bit of redness are more likely to be in the rosacea group of patients. So, um. You might want to try one of the other antioxidants like the fluorotin or the um, the uh, CE ferulic. So that's how I would probably suggest if you want to, you know, which of these antioxidants you would want to buy. Um, And it really does go from the middle being the fluorotin CF, being that kind of fairly, you know, normal skin type, maybe a little bit combination of a skin type um, and then up to the CE ferulic for people who would like a little bit more oiliness to the skin. Um, And then right down to people who have got blackheads, are getting blemishes uh, from time to time um, and, and have even got a diagnosis of acne. And that's what you want to add in to supplement your medical treatment for acne.
0: I've, I've um, tried the texture and it's still, it's very thin. It doesn't feel heavy yeah. at all. It's, it feels, it feels um, the word fresh keeps coming to mind, but yeah. it, you rub it in. So you've got a bit of play with it, but then it does seem to just, it's in your skin and then you can't even really feel it.
1: It feels really nice, I think, going into the skin. Um, and one of the wonderful things that we have to remember about well-formulated antioxidants are that when so you should put them on your skin, when you've washed your skin in the morning and then patted it dry, that's when you put these antioxidants on, first thing in the morning, over the area that you want to apply them to. And within five seconds, it's actually quicker than that, but within five seconds, it is incorporated within your skin. It's there. It's not going to be washed off. You can like do whatever you want and you're not getting it out of your skin. It is incorporated and it's in. And and it's quick and it's easy. So that's why... Um, one of the the things I really like about it is is it does feel nice and it's quick and it's a super easy thing for people to do. I do agree, you know, some of these very well formulated antioxidants are are expensive and much more than many of the other skincare um, products that are out there. And I am not a fan of expensive skincare for the sake of expensive skincare. I, you know, my routine recommendations to patients in private or NHS, no matter how much money these patients have is um to go for stuff that actually really works most of the cleansers i recommend cost about three or four pounds the moisturizers about three or four pounds the spf's about five or six pounds um but,
0: but when it this comes is to expensive actives. this is where you want to spend your money on definitely Now, one of the things that's making me think about is blackheads, because I know that that uh, blackheads can be incredibly infuriating. And I know that there's been discussion in the Facebook group, particularly about blackheads that are across the nose. And that's such an, you know, we've seen obviously things like pore strips and what have you to get rid of those over the years. But I'm thinking, would I use a silymarin serum like this one at the price that it is and put it on my nose when actually and get those benefits when actually does my nose need a lot of antioxidant support does it need the rest of the serum or does it just need the salicylic acid and the silymarin
1: um i would say that wasn't a great idea and um, i would say that you're going to get a benefit in the reduction of comedomal lesions likely based on the studies that that have been done and um, by using this combination um, of antioxidants that will happen and so you know you can you, you can see that you get a reduction in the sebum the sebum oxidation and when they counted up the number of blackheads and the inflammatory papules they were all reduced so that's likely to happen Um, however this really is formulated to treat the entire skin of the face. It's something that's really there for a number of reasons. You're you're fighting the free radical damage. That's the main And um, you're trying to prevent onward damage to the skin from, you know, all of those free radicals that I, I said, from protecting the skin against the redness from UV exposure, protecting the skin against bits of pigmentation. And um, so that's why you're using it. If you truly want to get rid of blackheads on the nose, well, there are treatments that cost three pounds to get rid of the blackheads on the nose. <laughs> and it would be better to put the and CF on everywhere um, and then use a slightly more targeted treatment uh, to clear the blackheads from the nose.
0: <laughs> One of the things I was also also going to ask you is are more people experiencing oil oxidation and or oxidative stress because of wearing masks.
1: Um it's very difficult to know. Um I, I I've not seen a study that looks specifically at oxidation of the skin in a covered area. But maskne is a massive issue. I mean, not that you can see me in a podcast, but you know, I have two terrible spots on my chin as a consequence of the masks that I have to wear. You know, in the hospital, we wear a mask from seven o'clock in the morning until six o'clock at night, and that is stuck to our faces. And then on public transport, coming back and forth, we have it. So um, what happens with the the skin under a mask or under occlusion is that the the skin in that area is not used to being um, under occlusion. It's used to being exposed, and that's why it makes sebum it makes a lot of sebum to protect our skin and um, from the the natural elements that are there and to keep our skin moisturized from things like wind and humidity change but if it's constantly covered and protected then what happens is often people will have a change in the natural environment and the natural microbiome so you get a bit more oil buildup. you get dirt that's perhaps on the skin if it's not been cleansed properly and then that gets trapped within the oil buildup. and um, you also have a change of the microbiome so you get increased levels of certain bacteria or increased levels of yeasts and these in themselves then set up an inflammatory pathway so there will definitely be some level of increased oxidation, oxidative stress to the skin in this area because it does get more inflamed so I've never seen a study that's made measured or looked at that directly Um, but it would make sense that you would have more oxidative stress because of that
0: so it might just be if someone is experiencing masculine it might be looking at well how can I incorporate something for that particular skin type on the lower half of my face essentially so actually this might be quite a good addition Yes, definitely. But don't just put it on the lower half of your face, put it on all over. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Well, actually, that brings me to one of the biggest questions about any kind of serum, which is, I mean, it's great to understand what it does. It's great to understand how it works. But what really what listeners need to know is how do they use it once they get it home? Where does it slot in? Do they use it in the morning? What does it play well with? What doesn't it play well with? Uh, Should they leave it on the skin for 30 seconds before they apply anything on top of it? What's the best way to use this? And would you mind describing a tried and tested regime for oily blemish prone skin that this would really work for? Yeah, sure. So
1: this if we're thinking specifically of the of the um, CF, then where that's going to fit into your routine is first thing in the morning. When we are faced with the free radicals that I described, we get those um, as a consequence of what's going on inside. So all of our respiration, um, all of that is going to be more in the day. Our stress levels are going to be more in the day. We're going to encounter pollution. We're going to encounter um, UV radiation and high energy visible light. All of that happens in the day. So that's why you want to get your protective shield on in the day so as soon as you've washed your face in the morning then and um, pat your skin dry and then you would put on your the silymarin cf it goes on by just a drop into each part of the skin and um, on the face and then you rub it in and it gets incorporated into the skin super quickly you know there's no mm. have to hanging around with it it's all incorporated in you know less than five seconds so that's all on the skin and then after that, you'll want to add in your moisturizer if you've you know if you want to wear a moisturizer. Most people need to wear some kind of moisturizer, even if you do have a really oily skin type, because you want to protect that skin, skin barrier as much as possible. And people often think that. Oh, because I've got spots. I, you know, I don't, I don't want to put too much of a moisturizer on, um. But your skin really does need that. And if you've got spots that are healing, they'll heal quicker if they've got a good barrier on them. And most moisturizers that we have now, I mean, they don't block the pores. They it's kind of, you know, it's just about a bit of trial and error to find exactly the right one for you. I like ones that have hyaluronic acid in it or glycerin in it. They um, plump the skin up nicely. They protect the skin. Um, Some things have some niacinamide in it. might also be nice and helpful for the skin of acne-prone or blemish-prone skin because we know with niacinamide that 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 actually is pretty good too at stopping sebum production and helping with pores. So you might want to find some of the CeraVe creams and things like that have niacinamide in them. So then your moisturizer goes on. And then the most important step of the day is putting on your sun cream. And that um, will then also act as a protectant to the world um, of your skin. You know, I'm not a dermatologist that's going to say that you should put sun cream on every single part of your body. But, um, you know... (laughs) on a day-to-day basis you should put sun cream on your face every single day it's so boring to hear a dermatologist say that but it really is really so important people think oh but I'm not going outside but you're sat beside a window or you know that UVA is coming through and there's no point spending all this money and committing to a good sun care ratio or sorry good skin care if you haven't sorted out your Um, your SPF so and again SPF is about trial and error to find the right one but I say to everybody it's not an SPF it's a radiation screen so think of it as a radiation screen you're putting your barrier on for your radiation and it goes on every day and so that's the morning kind of way that you would do your routine and then at night time Um, again you've got to wash your skin well to make sure you get all your sun cream off Um, and then you don't put antioxidants on at night time you don't need to do that but normally if somebody has an oily skin type they might want to think about using a retinol or a prescription grade retinoid at night time and that's a kind of typical nice um, routine that most people would be able to comfortably use if some people have really really oily skin um then there's a few th- they might want to cleanse their face several times a day and um, they really might want to avoid a few of the chemicals that can sometimes block the skin so some people don't do very well with things like coconut oil or um isopropyl mysterate and um, so they're chemicals that you might want to avoid if you've got very oily skin and um, for some people i would occasionally recommend a toner if you've got really oily skin um so that's the the way that it, a blotting paper um but it's typically in the morning you put on your antioxidant um serum and then and your spf and then at nighttime you might want to have a retinol if for the oilier skin types
0: and what's so refreshing about that is just how simple it is, but how, as you say, it's all gold standard ingredient and it's so effective. What if someone is listening to this, they have an oilier skin, blemish prone skin, and they maybe once a week, they use a particular kind of treatment. They use acid peels, anything like that. Is Do they work well with this kind of regime too? Um, so I, I just... Want
1: to kind of just go back to that point that you made, which is so true and um, it is about the simplicity. It's about really it's understanding that the skin type that you have that's really it, understanding it. And then it's about being really consistent and really persistent with a, a gentle, scientific, evidence-based skincare routine and try and not be swayed from it. I mean, I get swayed from it. I get sent stuff all the time and I think, oh, we'll try this or oh, we'll do this. And then I think what the hell am I doing? <laughs> because it's going to cause havoc. You know, I have a rosacea prone skin type and it's just crazy to do stuff like that. Um, so it's so, so important to get the right things and just stick with it. Um, you know, you don't necessarily change your toothpaste all the time or the routine that you do for brushing your teeth. Um, and it's really just about trying to stick with the simplicity of it and, avoid falling into traps that you know it's bad for your skin it's bad for the environment it's bad for so many different things so and um, thanks for saying that because I couldn't agree more with you um but um the other question that you asked is um about people who have very oily skin
0: and what did you say then the- well really it's more about people who maybe they perceive their skin is oily or blemish prone and that's a problem that they're constantly trying to fix and yeah. so as much as they might have this simple regime in place, they think, well, once a week I'll use this kind of mask or actually there are going to be certain days when I've heard that this particular uh, peel is quite good. Are there benefits to those or is it actually just keep yeah. it really simple, use the gold standard ingredients and just let them do their work? And Yeah, that's a really
1: good point. And again, it brings us back to that skin typing. For some people who have very, very resistant skin, and it's an an oily skin type that's very resistant, then to be honest, they can do whatever they want to their skin (laughs) because they are not likely to cause that much in the way of irritation. And perhaps if once a week they want to do an alpha hydroxy acid or a beta hydroxy acid peel well then and um, you know that would be an okay thing probably for that particular group of people to do there's not that many people who fit into that group I have to say and for most people if you want to dabble with this and dabble with that and um, that doesn't have a whole lot of evidence behind it then you, you probably will start to run into a few problems and It often takes maybe, uh, you know, a few weeks of dabbling in something to realize what the problem is. And if you've dabbled in a few other things, then you're like, which one was it? And you don't know what's going on. Um, Because when we introduce and do anything to our skin, it generally doesn't do that much, unless it's a moisturizer, but it generally doesn't do that much at all, or have that much of an effect at all until you've been consistent and persistent with a juice for around about six, seven weeks, something like that. And in the case of things like retinol, things get a whole lot worse before they get better. Um, and you'll only see that it gets better after that time and for things like the the uh, pigmentation effects of something like silabarin in the study it takes up to 10 weeks until you can see that so you're never going to see these benefits until you've really been consistent and persistent with that routine so i would set up a very good uh, skincare routine that you just stick to for three months and don't dabble in this and don't dabble in that and then if you see a a peel that you want to try or a treatment that you want to try have a real look at the ingredients see what it is see actually what it's meant to do and then yeah use it but use it for four weeks five weeks see what happens Um, and if you're not getting any extra benefit from it then what's the point
0: I'm so glad you said that because I used to just chop and change whatever I got sent. I'd be like, yeah, that'll work <laughs> for years. And my, <laughs> my skin's pretty okay. I've never, apart from uh, teen years of acne, never really had any major issues with it. But then one of my learned beauty friends, as I like to call her, Nadine Baggett, before my 40th, just gave me a, a bag of about five serums and said, do this. And she literally wrote it down for me. Do this. And don't come back to me until you finished all the bottles yeah. and I haven't gone back. It's been what, three and a yeah. half years. And I have not gone back because I've seen the benefits of being consistent, but there is an element and I try to really cater to every listener who appreciates a skincare regime as something pleasurable. A really effective, simple skincare regime is not some kind of self care. It is very functional and the textures aren't really there all of that kind of you know plinky plonky music candles burning and lots of moisturizers yep. it's not that experience so if somebody wants uh, would you say what i'm trying to get to is would you say keep it functional keep it practical on the face and maybe have your fun from the boobs down <laughs> in terms of what kind of textures and how you play with products
1: and um, I, I think that's a really great idea, you know, um things like nice, uh, Things You still want to use things that are going to be effective on the skin and your body. But if you're wanting to use things that have nice fragrances within them, if you're wanting to use things that have got nice textures within them, then that would be a better idea is to kind of use it, as you say, from the boobs down or on your hair. But there are, you know, there are things that you can do. If you're somebody who likes face masks, you know, my kids are obsessed with face face masks um, because all teenagers, I think, are obsessed with face masks. Um, But you can buy you know, just very simple face masks that have just got hyaluronic acid in them. There's nothing else. It's just some water, a bit of glycerin and hyaluronic acid. And actually that's not going to do any harm. It's going to be very refreshing. It's going to make the skin feel great afterwards. Um, And yes, it doesn't have a nice smell to it because it doesn't have a smell. Um, But there are things that you can do that are really gentle and, you know, simple for the skin that also feel slightly pampering. But I really take your point Uh, you know some of the creams and things that we use are in boring bottles and they aren't very personalized and they don't have much of a smell to them and the whole you know sensation of it I suppose the whole experience isn't really isn't really there but I, I also a lot of us don't really have time every day for that experience so if you're able to be very functional with it and then you know at the weekend or your day off then find these quite simple Um, face masks are quite nice or um, skin massage with some of the skin massage tools that aren't too abrasive or exfoliating you know like the rose quartz thing without any too much oils on them these things are all really nice experiences for the skin and but yeah concentrate on your fingernails scrubbing the hard (laughs) skin off your feet (laughs) moisturizing your legs
0: (laughs) so we know that uh, we need antioxidants Vitamin C is great, and now we understand why. And we also understand the benefits of silymarin and why that, combined with salicylic acid, into this antioxidant formula, is delivers that powerful antioxidant benefit, but also really takes care of uh, oilier and blemish-prone skin, which can be trickier, trickier skin, a, a trickier skin type to manage. So that's yes. really, really helpful. Thank you so much. My pleasure. It's been great chatting to you, Emma. I've really enjoyed this. I'm sure we could deep dive. I'm sure there are elements of this where we could have gone really, really deep, but hopefully listeners, that has been uh, an introduction and an explanation, not just of antioxidants and vitamin C, but also of how some of these things work with and on the skin. And also a bit of a deep dive into Sillamarin CF, which, uh, as I say, I'm a big fan of skin suticles. I've been using C for years. It was one of those serums that was put in that bag and forced upon me and i have not looked back since so uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm excited to see how this one performs and i would love to hear your feedback so listeners if you want to hear from dr emma craythorn then the links to find her will be in the show notes her social media her website her the links to her tv show all of those things will be in the show notes but for now thank you so much for coming on the show thanks for having me bye Thank you so much for listening. I do hope you found that conversation with Dr. Emma Craythorne and me helpful. The links to Silamarin CF serum and the other antioxidant serums from Cuticles are in the show notes, which can be found wherever it is that you are streaming and downloading this episode. That's also where you'll find the link to join the Facebook forum, where you can chat to me and thousands of other listeners of this podcast. If you'd like to message me directly, you can DM me on Twitter and Instagram, where I'm at Emma Guns, or if you'd rather speak to me personally, then feel free to send me an email to thebeautypodcast at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening to this very special episode of the podcast brought to you by Skin SkinCeuticals. I will see you on the next one.